Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writers Room. Of course, a very special episode because uh, I have Shane and Heath rejoining me. Hello, guys. Hey, what's How's up? Going? Uh, we, I got them here because they talked about uh, the Craig 007 films last week. Uh, and No Time to Die was coming out. So might, might as well you know, have them back on to, to kind of finish out the Craig Bond films. Um, now, we're not going to talk any spoilers. Uh, we're going to be very brief in, in how we speak about this film. Uh, but there will be a point where I just cut you off, like just say like, hey, spoilers. So um, if you are here and worried about ruining us ruining this movie for you, um, there will be a clear point that you can bail. Um, uh, but um, but first, we got to start off with uh, our like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. So Shane, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay. A couple hours removed of seeing it, I'm just, I'm low end of love it. Okay. Like, I went into this movie not expecting to love it, but it hit. It hit me. (laughs) And we're going to go from there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Shane saw it a couple hours ago, and Heath and I both saw it Wednesday and Thursday night, respectively. And, uh, uh, man, I am happy that I've had some time to process. Uh, Heath, where do you land on the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale? Um, I am firmly in loved it. Uh, I went into it kind of expecting just okay. Some of the initial reviews came out from England saying it was good. So then my elevation, I was like, all right, maybe I'll like it. But uh, no, I firmly loved it. Okay. I went into the theaters fully expecting to think it was going to be just satisfying and that was it um not the trailers the marketing hasn't really done anything for me we talked about i talked about this with chantal we talked about this very briefly um but uh i was pleasantly surprised i'm i'm where shane is i am on the very low side of loved it um i'm i think maybe i'm gonna eventually lean more towards like high side of liked it i feel like i'm on a high i feel like a lot of people are um i feel like a little bit of time to separate will will kind of lower this a little bit to me, but as of now, I'm willing to say I love this movie. Um, so we will get, we'll give very brief thoughts on, uh, on why we feel that way. Uh, spoiler free. Uh, and then we'll give some rankings and then we'll, we'll feel free to talk about anything in depth. Um, all right. So my rankings, I'll go first since I was the, the, the one that had Skyfall and Casino Royale flipped up. I still have Casino Royale at the tippy top and then Skyfall. I'll put no time to die firmly in the middle. Um, I don't think that's going to blow anybody's mind um, as far as just the Craig Bond films. So Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, Spectre, Quantum of Solace is my ranking. Uh, Heath, what about you? Uh, pretty much the same except still flipping the beginning. Uh, I have Skyfall, Casino, uh, No Time to Die, uh, Spectre, and then Quantum. I-, I will like to say, though, that makes it sound like you know No Time to Die is right in the middle. It's maybe a bit average. Uh, I I would like to reiterate that those first three are like way up, yeah, and then it's Spectre's significantly lower, and then Quantum is significantly lower than that. So, yeah, um, for but sure. But yeah, that's my Craig ranking. Nice. And Shane, what about you? I could basically just copy and paste what he said, <laughs> except I could throw in a graph if this was a visual <laughs> show, where it's just like there's a large bump all the way on the high end of where these three movies are for me. And then Spectre's like right in the middle of this curve. And then quantum of solace is like chilling out in no man's land. But yeah, this was, this was a lot closer to high end for me than I was anticipating. 
Yep. Nice. All right, we will give uh, um, uh, brief thoughts as as to why that is. Um, I I think this is a totally satisfying ending. Um, it's nothing that's going to blow your socks off. It's nothing that's going to make you be like, this is going to redefine the genre. Um, it's nothing that's going to make you be like, oh, wow, we've, we've seen 007 completely differently. Um, or, or, I mean, not, I mean, you will think that. Um, this isn't, this isn't one of those things that's like, this is, this is not a game changer, right? This isn't, this isn't like when, um, when Avengers came out or, um, Avengers Infinity War for that matter. Um, or the first X-Men movie or anything. Like, this isn't anything that's like, oh God, so much is like revolutionary about this. Um, but this is a really, really, really satisfying end um, to to this particular arc and ultimately um, a really solid Bond film. Um, and that's what I'll leave before spoilers. Uh, Heath? Uh, I'm going to push back just slightly. I think this is a game changer. Maybe not in the grander sense of film, but for this franchise, this is a game changer. Um, uh, what I would say is that this movie has intense shot perfectly defined action sequences, uh, a surprising amount of humor. I laughed in this Bond movie, especially for the Craig films, way more than I've laughed in a Craig film for quite some time. And uh, what makes it so different and I think stand out is there is emotionally compelling stuff in this movie that this franchise has never gone to before on several different levels that I was very taken aback by, but in a pleasant and surprising way that they were willing to go there. Uh, and it made for a very heartfelt, resounding conclusion to Craig's tenure as James Bond. Mm-hmm. And Shade. First off, I felt like this movie allowed James Bond to go to places that, especially early on in this franchise, they wouldn't have dreamed of. Because like you don't see Sean Connery going to the acting depths that Daniel Craig does in this movie. And it, I think it really solidifies why Daniel Craig was given the best material to work with and also gives the best performance as James Bond. The filmmaking's fantastic. Kerry Fukunaga is up there with Sam Mendes in terms of the craft that went into this movie. Mm -hmm. I love the action. It was emotionally compelling. I never felt bored for a two-hour and 43-minute movie. I didn't feel like any of these scenes ever didn't at least grab me. I was let down by Saffron and just the antagonists in general. But we'll mm-hmm. talk more about that. Um, and like there was a, a lot going on in this movie. And I'll talk more about that when we talk about spoilers. But generally, it's like there was a lot for me to love about this movie. And very few things for me to dislike about this movie. The dislikes I had were well overweighed by the amount of things to like about this movie that it's very easy to come away loving this movie. Yeah, that's a pretty good way. Now, before uh, very last thing, before we move on to spoiler talks. Um, in your overall, all 007s included, about where does this fall? Um, we, we talked about where does it fall during the Craigs. Uh, about where does this fall? Um, Shane, we'll let you go first this time. I feel like this would fall close to my top five, but not quite in my top five. Okay. I still feel like there's a few up there. Cause like I mentioned, obviously Skyfall and Casino Royale are still higher for me, but I still feel like there's a couple other ones that I really love. And maybe it's because of nostalgia and those really connect with me. And 
I saw this movie literally a couple hours ago, but generally close to my top five. Yep. And Heath, what about you? I know exactly where this falls because I took the time to rank them all out. And this one pops in at number five exactly for me, Uh, right above GoldenEye and right below Goldfinger. Uh, I think this movie is one of the best this franchise has ever seen. Number five out of 25, which is saying a lot. Got it. And so you also have From Russia With Love in that top five. Yeah. Skyfall Casino, From Russia, Goldfinger, No Time, GoldenEye. Okay. Um, this is number four for me, um, because, uh, obviously Casino Royale and Skyfall are my one and two. I'll, I'm still willing to say, I think Gold, Goldfinger is, um, it probably one I, I would say I love more, um, because Goldfinger is just such a freaking excellent movie. Um, but I don't know that I would dare to say from Russia with love would be my fifth. Um, I don't know that I would say. I love From Russia With Love. And so that's kind of the, the thing for me. So I would put this as number four. Um, but honestly, and even looking through like ranking for the Sif Poppy EC, like this is hard to rank these, but like this is such a divisive franchise in that there are probably more not good movies than there are good movies. Yes. Um, yeah. So like it, it's, you know, like <laughs> um, number four overall is very different in the MCU versus number four overall in 007, even though there's roughly the same amount of films, um, at least at real, least to me. Real Bond fans know there's a lot of trash here. Yeah. 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 This is Like, this like is, I said on the last podcast, uh, I mean, 90% of Bond fans you talk to, they'll you're talking roughly the same, our top five, same movies. You just shuffle the order, but you yeah. don't really see anything else jump in. Like that just doesn't happen. I think this one, and again, we'll see how things settle out, but I have a feeling this will, will sell it, settle out to be considered one of the best in the franchise. But yeah, it's not like Quantum of Solace or Tomorrow Never Dies is ever going to pop up into the yeah. top five of this franchise. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and not even retroactively, like Rogue One yeah. has slid into a lot of people's favorite Star Wars. My, mine included, although I knew it from as soon as I saw it. Yep. Um, anyway. Uh, Alright, one last note before we move on to spoiler talk, and that's just if you haven't seen this film before, um, the only one you really need to see is Spectre. Um, although it will do you better to see all of the Craig films um, and even if you really only have time to see a couple, Casino Royale and Spectre will do you good. Um, you Correct. don't necessarily need to see Quantum of Solace for this one. Um, and you and, and Skyfall, as we talked about in the podcast, is pretty standalone. Um, so there isn't necessarily even a need for that. Um, but this one is a direct sequel to Spectre. And the events and characters and relationships from Spectre will yeah. directly play into this film. And you can not see Spectre if you want to, but you will you will be lost on yep. several things going into this movie. Yeah. And, and if you're just looking for, Hey, which ones do I need to rewatch before I go to see this? Just Spectre. Just Spectre. Yeah. Um, that's, that should be worth noting. Um, although if you don't get around, I, I, I would, I would push back. I'd say, I think you can find your way around it enough. Uh, but I think adding Spectre would be a uh, beneficial. So um, that's it. All right. Here's your official spoiler warning. We're going to talk about this movie in full, in detail about anything and everything that happens in the movie. Um, I would really recommend that if you haven't seen this movie, uh, if you still plan on seeing it, even if you're not somebody that cares about spoilers, you steer away. Uh, but for, but at the same time, like I know some people just don't care. Because there are some very real spoilers in this Bond film consider- compared to other <laughs> Bond films. Yes, there sure like, are. Real, real things go down. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so here's your official spoiler warning. Check out check out now if you if you actually care. But I'm done saying spoiler warning. One more time, spoiler warning. Um, let's let's open it up. All right, guys, they did it. <laughs> they oh. killed James Bond. <laughs> he gone. Oh my god. All right, hold on. Uh, did you guys expect them to do it? Uh, there came a point in the movie where I was 100% sure it was going to happen. All right, can, uh, I, can I ask what specific point you knew? Because I knew it one specific point. Um, I specifically... I thought it was going to happen the moment they said we're going on a mission to this to this island in, in the middle of the water that's in disputed territory. And, you know, his, in, uh, Madeline Swan is there with his daughter but not daughter but daughter um and i i 100 definitively knew when there's like i have to stay back to open the blast doors i was like oh he's he's gone he's dead he's toast there's all right i knew them i knew the moment that he picked up the doll the doo-doo um okay i, I knew a little bit after i knew it yeah, yeah. because he picks up the doo-doo and they have this <laughs> what a weird but that's what, what the child calls it. she calls it a doo-doo yeah yeah but um, yeah like as he's going to open the blast doors he finds the do- the doll in the hallway no it's after it's he's opened the blast doors he is on his way out of the island they find the doll but i'm like but rami malik is still around like yeah it, sure he's walking around with nobody but like no he, the the main villain is still there like obviously he's going to cause problems and i and i i knew that at that point it was like yeah. There's no way they're going to get him off this island. Um, I I knew before that the even even I knew he would be able to open the blast doors just fine because they're not going to say oh he didn't do it and uh, this nanobot technology's out there and everyone's going to die like that wasn't going to happen. But the moment they said someone has to stay back to open this and Bond volunteered to do that, I was like he's gone. It's over. Yep. Shane, what about you? For me, it was when Saffron like caught him. And the only reason it took me that long to acknowledge it is because I was so waiting for them to pull like a Dark Knight Rises BS <laughs> kind of ending because, you know, it's James Bond. They're not going to kill James Bond. And then I'm sitting at the end of the movie just being like, what the hell are they going to do now? Yeah. Because the thing is, it's like, I feel like they're just going to pull James Bond BS and be like, just kidding. New James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know. Because, like, I know I mentioned this a couple of times during the full podcast when we were all on, just, like, they don't give a crap about continuity in these movies, and they're just going to start fresh. But I was very impressed that they committed to an actual arc in these Daniel Craig movies. Mm -hmm. And they went there, and I teared up a bit. Oh, I cried. Yep, Absolutely. So, all right, I didn't think that they were going to do it. Um, I thought that legitimately, uh, and my reason for thinking that is they originally hired Danny Boyle to do this film, and he left due to creative differences, and it was widely rumored that Boyle wanted to kill 007. So I thought that uh, the reason that Danny Boyle wasn't uh, attached anymore is because he was going, he he wanted to kill Bond, and MGM was like, you can't do that. And so I, I, I think... I going into the movie, I thought they're not going to do it. Um, and then, and then, and then with the start of this plot being something that bond knew about and urged to stop, but M let go anyway. And then all of a sudden it got out of hand and now M's mistake and lack of judgment 
um, really brought about this really awful, potentially cataclysmic, cataclysmic event. Uh, wow, words are hard. Um, I thought the way this movie was going to end is either M would make a sacrifice, given that it was his mess, or he was going to acknowledge this is my mess and I should not be in charge of this double O program anymore because of my error in judgment. And they were going to make Daniel Craig M, which I feel like he would have signed on for because that's not a physical role. And I would love to see Daniel Craig as M. Um, obviously we don't get that. So that's where, so starting the movie, I thought they were going to retire him. And then about 20 minutes in, I was like, no, they're, they're just going to have him become M. Um, and I was wrong on both of them. Um, so, Speaking but yeah, as soon M, as he picks up the doo doo, yeah, that's when, when they showed Mallory sitting there, like anxious and looking at Judy Dench's portrait, and then they cut back and showed the original M Bernard Lee, yeah, yeah hanging on the wall. I'm just like Easter eggs, and also continuity. What <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. So, so uh. Uh, several things here. One, uh, yeah, there's definitely all kinds of Easter eggs throughout this movie. We'll we'll get into those. Uh, two, it was I liked when they showed uh, Ray Fiennes getting angry and being anxious. Uh, that's a side of M we've literally never seen before from any of the M's uh, ever. Uh, we've maybe seen them angry at Bond for like just being like, oh, you're you're too impatient or you're a womanizer, but not not like defensive well, we have... angry angry like i did something wrong and you're calling me out for it how dare you i am you superior you know, we like... have anxious and fearful in skyfall but but not angry yeah this was this was something that we'd never seen before and really from that moment on i would have to say to me this is the best acted james bond movie ever period yeah. um and it's across the board uh the the MI6 family of Money Penny Q and M are awesome. So good throughout this. I I love the detail that they gave to them, the way they let them express and emote themselves. I thought uh, Ben Wishaw as Q in particular was great. Uh, the subtleties that they gave him, they made him gay. For those who didn't pick up on that, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, gay or uh, bisexual, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that, that was great. I thought that was very welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just like seeing his emotion on the plane at the end, like fully understanding and comprehending that bond is going to die and he's breaking down himself. Uh, the anger that M portrayed, I thought that was really good. Uh, just stuff like that. Uh, I spoke in the last podcast about how I thought Leah Sado was miscast. I thought she was tremendously better in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, a lot of that probably goes to the direction, but I, what she was putting on into this, her emotional range was so much more refined, so much more believable um, in what she was experiencing. Uh, I thought Lashana Lynch was terrific. Jeffrey Wright was a hoot. He wasn't in there long, but he was great. Uh, mm -hmm. Billy Magnuson was cracking me up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this guy needs to stop smiling. I um, love Billy Magnuson. Ana de Armas was, she was the quirky, weird girl that uh anna kendrick always wants to be and <laughs> like and that's not even a slam on anna kendrick because i no, love no. anna kendrick no, right. but you know what i mean like anna kendrick always plays this like quirky weird girl it doesn't matter if it's mr right or uh simple favor or pitch perfect she always kind of this manic pixie dream girl and like anna de armas just like 
did it in better and more naturally. Uh, just like everyone throughout this whole movie. And that's not even getting into Daniel, who's Daniel's doing what he's doing in this movie is not just his best performance as Bond. It is arguably one of his best, if not his best performances ever in any way. Yeah, movie. I mean, the only competition would be Defiance or Road, Road to Perdition. Road to me. Perdition. Th- yeah, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's up there. Like, yeah. the, the amount of empathy he's able to elicit from the audience, I, I thought was so raw and real and oh it it really got me all right we got a lot we got a lot of things to talk about in there um a lot of things to talk about first of all uh do you think craig gets an oscar nomination here i think he deserves one i don't think he's gonna get one yeah but like at least from what i've seen so far this year i would give it from from the from as of recording right now october 10th 2021 from what we've seen of films so far i would say yes he is in the running the in the, on the short list. Yeah. I don't know if by the end of the year, he's still on that list. This is, I mean, this is just like Robert Downey Jr. For Avengers Endgame. Like he's terrific. Yeah. Yes. Give him an Oscar, but then also you kind of understand if they don't, but, yeah. um, but hopefully think... this is a little bit later. You know, Endgame was start of May, you know, now that we're in October, like hopefully uh, he, des- he deserves an Oscar, uh, at least. An well, I think he would have a better chance. Because I feel yes. like the Academy Award has more respect for Bond movies than they do for superhero movies. That's, I don't even think I and, know. I know that. that they and not only that, more. but but uh, Craig is is the leading man in that. And it's as much as Bond is kind of an ensemble, it is always a James Bond movie. Whereas, whereas the is an ensemble game, yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and you could also make a real solid argument that I think uh, James Bond as a character is going through a much wider range of feeling and emotion in this film than Tony had to in Endgame. Obviously, that's personal that's opinion. But that's fair. I, I would say that, especially some of the surprises and shocks to his system, that he truths that he didn't even know were truths and like yep. that he's a father. And like, that's. I want to take you back to the very beginning when you started on a long list of things that I wanted to talk about sure. um, with with, uh, with them revealing that Q is gay or bisexual or somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, it, it didn't feel forced down my throat. No, nope. that was, that was, that was that's, that's what made it great is that. Yeah, it was so um, natural. It's, it was a natural, you know, like I have problems when movies do that when they try to force it down my throat. I, I didn't like Booksmart because I thought Booksmart was more an LGBTQ advocacy piece than it was a comedy. And like I'm all for advocacy, but Booksmart should have been a comedy to me. Um, and so I just, I thought that it was just, it felt natural. It felt right. And um, uh, it didn't feel down my throat. And also it, you kind of understand um, with the way they've set that character up. It's like, all right, that feels natural. Um I think it might well and this and this is a bigger question too because like I feel like it'll turn out to be maybe a little disappointing because what are they going to do from there with it because the thing is there's a bigger question do we get to keep all of them or do they I get wanna, I want to save that question Craig? for the for the very yeah, last thing that we, we talk about is where do we, we go from the here? future yep. yeah okay um so Side. that's the very last thing I want to talk about is is what do we do now for the next film um, but, let's um, let's start, let's start with you started uh, with Lashana Lynch as mm-hmm. new 007. Um, Heath, you said you really liked her. I think she's fine in the role. I did. I didn't like the character. Um, okay. I, I, I thought I, her her whole character's existence was to simply just have constant back and forth um, between um, the the title 007, as well as probably realistically to have somebody carry some of the action. To off of Daniel Craig's shoulders, since that was his biggest complaint. Um, I 
to me, I thought it felt very natural given the story that we were presented, given that he is retired and they said it's been five years. Of course, they're going to naturally replace him. It felt very organic. It like, like you were saying about Q, it didn't feel forced. Uh, so to me, it felt believable. One of the things I liked, and this is probably one of the things I appreciated it about it the most is as a fan of the franchise. And again, I, I don't think you've seen them all yet, but Shane, mm-hmm. you have, they have tried not once, not twice, many times to have a female spy that is a counterpart to bond in these movies. And not even just a female spy, a, uh, person of color, female spy. Uh, it is very much felt like. MGM studios trying to check a box and I've hated it. It feels so cringy. Uh, like, Oh look, we got a person of color in there. Oh look, they're also female. And it just, it really bothers me because they don't give those characters the range in the story. And you the get character jinx growth. from die another day. Exactly. You, you get yep. something that's, it's a disservice to what they're trying to do in the first place. This is the first time where they did it. And I feel they pulled it off where I was like, Yes, she is James Bond's equal. She could kick his butt just as easily as he could kick hers. Well, he, she doesn't necessarily okay. need him. He doesn't necessarily need her. And I, I, I really appreciated that. So this is where this is where we're going to differ, though. Um, okay. I totally agree that she could kick his butt in a heartbeat. Um, my and my problem, and that it makes a natural sense for her progression to be. You know, it's been five years. Nobody's heard from him. He's kind of gone rogue. He's not interested in coming back. Uh, it takes Felix lighter to get him in. Um, uh, and I, I, to me though, the problem is she didn't feel like she fit in the story other than there was that old 007. There, there doesn't seem to be a need to keep her on, um, once Bond is back in the picture. That was my problem. Uh, and, or, or even it, like when they're doing some of the separate stuff that felt fine, you know, we're like, Hey, you go do this and I'll go do that. Yeah. Like. It, it, it's just it, it it she just kind of felt extra it, I, I could tell that they wrote her into the story so she could have some of the action set pieces so craig didn't have to have as many and it wouldn't have to be as physically straining on him i felt like it was to be perfectly honest it kind of felt like a patching a passing of the torch torch kind of story because it's like she comes on very strong and confident when she sees him in retirement And then he outclasses her on that mission. And between um, Bond and like uh, Ana de Armas' character, it's like they were able to get that scientist away from her. And I felt like she had to come to grips with that. It's like Bond was 007 for a reason. And it's not like, like she took it over because like he went away. And it's interesting to see their dynamic and how she's willing to give up that mantle to him towards the end of the film. And honestly, I liked her well enough that I would enjoy seeing a film of her. I would also sign up for a movie with Ana de Armas's character because I want to see her on other missions. Yeah. Let's use that as a transition. She's terrific. Yo, she's great. So great. Um, I think after this movie, she's officially my number one celebrity crush at this point. Um, so it's she's and it's not just because of her looks because I mean obviously she's gorgeous but like she's she's got that quirky sense to her and only- there hasn't been a single movie or role I've seen her in where I haven't fully bought everything she's done and enjoyed her and been impressed by her skills as an actress she is well, awesome and let's look at her range too because she kind of plays a wacky zany character in this movie yeah, yeah um, manic pixie dream girl absolutely ve- yeah manic pixie dream girl very quirky very Anna Kendrick like um um. Uh, 
but in Blade Runner 2049, she plays a very serious, um, thought-provoking artificial intelligence um, that feels more human than most things that are actually human. In Knives Out, she's a very quiet, introverted person who doesn't quiet, know introverted, how to keep... Yeah. clever, um, mm-hmm. all that. Like, she is just incredible, um, showing a lot of range. Uh, I, I wanted more of her in the movie, but I understand kind of how she kind of popped in and out, much much like Felix kind of does in, in these 007 movies. Um, um, so she, she was a delight. Um, I, I got really upset when I found out everybody was loving her and she was only in one small scene of a movie. I was like, <laughs> dang it. But she killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, can we... It was the definition of leave and still win the leave while you're ahead and make the audience still wanting more like it was that can we go for low-hanging fruit here and play off of the name no time to die and just say it that this had movie had plenty of time for everybody to die because let's all right let's let's finish let's finish with actors first and then we'll get to that Uh, (laughs) um like jeffrey wright who was fantastic as felix leiter so then died. So before we go into the story stuff, because I've, I've made a list because there's a, enough things I want to talk about yeah. that I want to make sure we get it all. But finishing on the acting, there's one actor that when I listed stuff earlier, I did not mention in particular, and that was Rami Malek. I think he is the worst part of the movie, and I think it's not his fault. And it's so frustrating because I actually thought Rami did a decent job. Uh I liked the kind of spin uh, in the he was putting on the character. The accent didn't necessarily work for me, but the cadence in which he was talking, like he seemed wounded and like he had just been detached from humanity. He didn't even know how to talk to people. I liked what he was doing, but I did not like his character. And it made it the worst part of the movie because I didn't give a damn about him. We didn't understand him. We didn't know where he was coming from. They gave us a motive in the fact that they said at one point a long time ago mr white had killed his family at the orders of specter that was the motive but how we go from that which was have to imagine 15 20 years ago or something like that to where we are now where he's somehow mega rich we don't know how he's gotten all these funds or this money he's able to single-handedly combat and take down Spectre. He knows all about them and takes them down better than the MI6 could, better than the CIA ever could, that he can harvest and well, he's also replicate this, to, this to nanobot technology, <laughs> that he has this his own island that's contested between Russia and Japan. Like, where did this guy come from? We don't get an explanation for any of this. And his motive is just, by the end, after he kills Spectre, his motive is, I just want to hurt other people in the world. We don't know why. We don't know what his targets are. We just know he's targeting other people in the world. Is he targeting like people of a certain class, people of a certain ethnicity, uh, people of a certain uh, religious denomination? We, like we do, we don't even know why he's doing or what he's even trying to do. We just know he's bad. And I feel like at this point in the James Bond franchise, we've grown past that. We have had too many villains lately that have been too good. In particular, even though Spectre wasn't the best, like Blofeld. I thought was well-rounded, uh, but uh, Silva and Le Chiffre from Casino Royale and Skyfall, like, how did we get this guy who's just, I'm bad, I want to kill people with nanobot technology? Like, that's, right. that's his I'm, whole thing. I'm going to agree with you and push back. Um, I'm going to agree with you because I think you're absolutely right. 
Um, Rami Malek is fine in the role. He's not necessarily great. He's not bad. Um, the, the screenplay underserves him. Um, yep. But this is a movie about 007, not about the plan. This is a movie that's about James Bond um, and his struggle with um, anger and frustration and lots of other things. This is a this is a actual. We say Bond film because Bond is the main character, um, but this is a film about Bond and everything else is secondary. Um, and the more I've looked at it in that light, um, the more I've I just don't super care. Uh, because even if they give me all this backstory, I don't care. We're going to get to the same place anyway. And I don't... It's sure, fleshed out villains are great. Um, but sometimes having a guy that's mysterious and comes out of nowhere and is a force to be reckoned with is just serves just serves it, you know? Um, especially when you want to have a very character-driven film. So um, I think the answer ooh. then is to not care. And I'll and I'll concede that, but I I do think it's sure. still the movie's fault to not yes, explain absolutely. it. Absolutely, I I don't think the movie should be given a pass of like, oh, it's Bond's movie, so they don't need like they should still. It would literally only take like two or three sentences, two or three lines of dialogue to explain what he wants to do and who he's targeting, you know, like and how he got all this money. Like I'm sure they could have woven that in. The movie's almost three hours long. One can more I, minute of screen time wouldn't have killed them. To can I ask that. a super quick question, Shane? I know you're trying to try, trying to get in on this Rami Malek conversation. Super quick question. Um, when he infects 007, is the infection to any other living human or is the infection specifically to... Um, it's to Madeline and his daughter. Yeah. Okay. I was Which confused is- because it sounded like that was the case, but it, no, al- but it also kind of sounded like... Well, so he said earlier that that vial was an insurance policy against Madeline and so that yeah. Madeline would not leave the island and would not take his daughter away so that he could try to begin a surrogate family with them because he, for some reason, loved her. Um, and that was his insurance policy against them and therefore also his insurance policy against Bond that now yeah. Bond can never go back to Madeline because if he does, okay. if he touches her, kisses her, they're dead. Well, so. Or if Bond touches M and M hands a dollar bill to a cashier at a... I don't know whatever yeah. whatever places they have in the UK. If if some way between fifty people it eventually gets back to Madeline, Madeline right. dies. Yeah, which yeah. Gosh, I want to talk. I think that's such a brilliant concept for like fighting the or for like a, a technology that would it would come up to be like we just have a little bit of Osama bin Laden's DNA. We're just going to give somebody to it. It's going to be harmless to them. Eventually, we'll reach Osama bin Laden, and he'll just be killed without anybody actually. Getting... Anyway, Shane, I want to give you some chance to speak. <laughs> so. Pushing back in terms of, because like, I felt like Skyfall was a very personal story for Bond and where he was in his career. And then you also had the personal backstory of M and we still got Silva. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I felt like they could have done better with um, Saffron. But like, yeah, they, like, he's Rami Malik barely in the movie. The design doesn't show up for an hour and a half other than the intro sequence, like a good hour and a half, except for like the very beginning of the movie, which by the the way, that was an incredibly intense, amazingly shot cold open to this movie. Yeah. But, um, I felt like he was, a slightly above Stromberg and Drax kind of crazy. I'm going to destroy the world kind of villain straight out of a Roger Moore movie. 
I Except very much got Stromberg vibes. Like I'm going to kill everyone, so we have to inhabit the bottom of the ocean, or like, <laughs> or like Drax. I'm going to kill everyone on Earth, so we have to go to space. Like space. It just, it just really, I was like, this. We're better than this. Like, well, and in terms of, and I would well, that was extremely diabolical what he did to Bond because the thing is like there's no way he could compete with Bond. Yeah. In like a physical way. And that that at the end, at that moment, I'm like, oh, oh dang. Like yeah. this was sick. That yeah. was a sick move by Saffron. And again, just, the coldness really that he just like takes the gun out and just shoots him in the head and walks away. I'm just like I feel if like he really deserves worse. Like I feel like Craig should have shot him in the kneecaps and shoulders <laughs> and just left him there to blow up on the island. Just unload the whole entire <laughs> Yep. It's if you're like, really you paying attention though, at that point is when as an audience you should know, oh, like he's gonna die. Yeah. Because there's 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 no out for him. Like clearly his nope. whole world at this point revolves around Madeline and his daughter, and now he can never go back to them. There's no way. Well, I thought that was just there was an outside chance to me that that felt like, okay, this is their out to have him just be the cold, distant James Bond doing missions again kind of thing. But like they went there. They killed yeah. him. And I mean, you know, to me, I had I had the connection that Aaron had that it doesn't matter. At some point, someone's going to touch something that touches something that like it will get back to her. That's the way the world works, the way money right. works and all kinds of other things in the world. Like she'll die like he can't cool. risk that. And now like this whole plan, which also very interesting, this kind of thing in this movie at this point in our human history right now in terms yeah. of infections and stuff like that. Which other other shows and films have uh, got like, we're going to get rid of that plot. And this one just went right into it. Because to be perfectly honest, how would they have changed yeah, this whole I mean, entire this, movie at this, this point? This movie was supposed to come out in April of 2020. They had no idea what was going to happen when they were shooting and writing and producing this, this yeah. picture. But the know. thing is, they set up a world that I don't think they could have had a future in yep. with that. So they yeah. kind of had to blow it up, right? Yeah. So they there was an interesting choice to set up this story because they had to – it felt like they had to know that they were building up to this point yeah. and that they were going to hit a big hard reset yeah. after this movie anyway. So they just went for it. So – uh, I just with uh, – I'm really happy that they didn't Dark Knight Rises in this movie. Um <laughs> Because I was sitting there at the end of the movie, like, is Bond gonna like show up at a cafe in France or something like that? But then I, I would have been back. But then I thought back, it's like we saw a missile start Land to disintegrate him. him. Yeah. yeah, like we we saw him. We, we literally saw him die. Not one of those cut away to the islands and it all blow up. And there's literally no way we we saw him die. Yep. Um, and then we saw the whole island explode as well. <laughs> right. And so then I was like. There's literally no way they could do this. I'm 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 happy they're doing this. I was just like I was getting really fearful that they were setting up for a for an ending of of yeah. Dark Knight Rising him. It it was the biggest they went there and I and I loved it. I I praised them for being willing to go there for a franchise that's been around for 60 years and they've never touched that. Uh my last things on Safin one uh I hate his name, Lucifer Safin is the most Lucifer Satan name ever and I I, it's dumb. That's just a terrible. It's name. a Bond movie. Come on. Uh, and uh, two, uh, in got to, uh, I know, and, and it just it just bothers me. I, uh, 
same same reason Pussy Galore bothers me for the record. Strawberry um, Fields, come yeah. on. Uh, and also dumb. his death, uh, I liked for whatever reason that Bond got shot by him and that he was almost mortally wounded just off of that. Like just, oh, you didn't see me. I was at your side and I just shot you. Because that in real life would probably happen a lot to Bond in all these movies and it never happens. Uh, so I liked that. But also I liked the callous, uncaring way in which he kills him. Like he's already down on the ground just to, and just boom, boom, boom. And I saw that in IMAX. So the sound of that, those three pistol shots killing Safin, that was brutal. And I was like, yes. So that was satisfying to me. Yeah, I saw it in IMAX as well. Really worth the worth the Oh, yeah. If you can see this in IMAX, people, see it in IMAX. It is worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I have a couple one, two, a couple things we can talk about quickly. Um, uh, we, we, one character we really didn't mention much that I, I, I feel like we, have, uh, we will underserve if we don't mention again, uh, and that's Felix Leiter. Because um, yeah. we mentioned how great Tre- Jeffrey Wright in this role, and that's been about it. Um, yeah, pour one out for him. Um, cause here's the thing. I was thinking about this film yesterday and I was thinking, um, that I, I, I left them with theater thinking, I love this movie. Uh, it still was never going to like, still was not as good as Casino Royale or Skyfall to me, but I was like, I yep. really love it. And then I, I thought about it. I was like, I think I'm actually closer to like, just in firmly and liked it. Um, I think it was just the high of seeing it and the high of seeing this big emotional send off, which also like, this is the first time a bond, um, actor has known this is going to be his last movie like because pierce bronson was just kind of fired timothy dalton like after a bunch of contractual things that led to him not coming back Mm -hmm. so like yeah exactly your point right so like so like they knew this is the first time they knew this is the end of this bond and they really played into that uh and it shows but like not only that but we uh the moment that i realized i don't like this movie i love it um is is there's a moment uh, in the scene with Blofeld where he said something like, I'm your brother. And he goes, no, I had a brother. And his name was Felix Leiter. And that was the moment where I really felt, first of all, Jeffrey Wright is incredible. He's, he's yep. still great in this movie. Um, he's maybe the most under talked about under semi underserved because uh, portion of these films because um, he is so good. And there is, something special about their relationship and how that's evolved over the years. And Bond finally has a friend. Um, I think that was the moment that I really realized, no, I do love this movie. It's saying a lot more than just we're killing James Bond. I I think it says a lot as well, because in the old Bond films, they tried to do that with Felix, but the difference is there is not a single actor that played Felix Leiter that came back for more than two movies ever. Uh, yeah. They recast, and, and I don't Leiter. think they were ever um, cons- like consecutive. Yeah, they they recast that character all the time uh, to the point that most of the times he interacts with Felix, it's a random guy comes up and you don't know who it is, and then he reveals himself to be Felix, and you're like, oh, okay, he's a good guy. But that only works because they recast the actor, so you have that suspense. But if it was the same actor, you wouldn't have that moment as an audience because you would already know who it is. Like that's the kind of cheap stuff they used to do from an editing standpoint, but they can't do that now because we've now had Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter in three, right? Three of the movies. Yeah. Cause he wasn't in Skyfall. He wasn't in Skyfall and he wasn't inspector, but he was in casino and quantum, quantum and this. Uh, so like we have a history with him as Felix. Now we have a, because they kept recasting him, 
we were able to have a real relationship and it felt genuine. Yeah. Well, I saw an interesting article today talking about how this took that connection that they had in license to kill and like, yeah, did it right in a time where people were ready for it. Cause they did a lot of things in license to kill that I don't think eighties bond audiences were ready for. And license to kill is one of my favorite movies. And yeah, it was just ahead of its time. It's so good. And now we're all ready for him. We get it again. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Um, you mentioned Shane that, uh, Carrie Fukunaga is, has, is incredible behind the camera in this movie. There specifically the moment I want to point out is the one um, in, in the, the staircase. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. And, and people in my theater, like didn't notice until after I was like, that was incredible. Did you see what he did? And they're like, Oh, I didn't even notice that. Like, but now that I'm putting it together, it's like from the moment that they dropped down three grenades to the moment that he pushes somebody down the stairs at the tippy top. And there's a lot that happens. Um, it felt like it was about two and a half to four minutes straight, which may not sound like long, but that's a long one take, especially for an action sequence with that much choreography. That's insane. It reminded me a lot of, I mean, Atomic Blonde and Daredevil season two both have a stairway winner. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause like, if you ever watched the first season of True Detective, you know how good of a director yeah. Carrie Fukunaga is. And he was just flexing a lot yeah. in oh. this movie. And it worked so well. I, I yeah. Again, I, I've already expressed uh, Skyfall is my favorite. And I think Sam Mendes is great. I think this is the best directed James Bond film. I think Fukunaga That's nailed fair. it. Yeah, the yeah. only thing that could have made it better, wait for it, Aaron. Deacons. Deacons. Uh. I actually love the cinematography in this. Yes, yeah, uh, Linus Sandgren. Like, it, it may not, it may not have been Deacons, um, but it was a uh, Linus Sandgren who also uh, worked with. Uh, wow, I'm forgetting his name now. He did La La yeah. Land and First well, Man. Oh. He worked with Damien Chazelle and Damien David Chazelle, Russell yeah. on yeah, film. So, like, there's some quality cinematography in this movie. Yeah, so I, I really liked it. Um, and then Hans right. Zimmer, though. <laughs> I, the score was pretty unaffected for me. Um, for me, it was just like, he just leaned into, he knew it was a Bond movie. And I'm like, yeah, I was ready for it, it. It was good, but it wasn't necessarily standing out to me. But maybe on rewatches it will. Um, all right. Uh, two, two quick things that we can, or one quick thing, and then two things I have a statement on. Um, um, there's a lot of people complaining about the age gap between Craig and... Um, I don't even, yeah, Sado. Sado. Yeah. Um, I knew I was going to butcher the name if I tried um, before hearing it, but there's, there's a lot of talk about that. And like, I think she just looks younger than she is. It didn't bother me. Like, it doesn't bother me to see they're maybe 15 years apart, but like, that's not that common or that uncommon. Um, and that's especially like when you're at those respective ages, like, like it didn't bother me at all. Um, so like, I, I think that's an invalid argument. Um, you know, Go back and watch Indiana Jones and you'll have the same thing, right? Um, it To me, it was weirder in Spectre. Yeah, because be she, I mean, she looks young still. Um, yeah. But well, Craig somehow looked older in Spectre than he did in, in No Time to Die. I think he was just tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the big elephant in the room. How do you guys feel about the length? 243 minutes is a really so- long so it's a long time and this was one another one of the cons i listed in my review it's a long time and it will bother a lot of people to me it was fine but i think that is 
because to me, I'm a super fan. I was eating all of it up. Uh, there were definitely moments I was, as I was watching where I'm like, yeah, this didn't need to be here. This could have been trimmed or, you know, you definitely, especially with it being over a pandemic where they had an extra 18 months, they could have gone back into the editing room and really hammered some stuff down. But for me, I, I was still entertained the whole time. It didn't feel like it was that long, but I can definitely see where it would bother some people. It did not feel like two hours and 43 minutes. And I disagree. Um, I left the theater thinking, I don't think I would have cut anything. Okay. I think I think the runtime is totally fine. I you're right. People are going to be like, "This is too long. Yep. It's a long time to justify." It. I, I, I wouldn't have cut anything. For um, me, I like. I thought it was a very efficient use of two hours and forty three minutes. Yep. If I was going to cut anything, it would have been for a narrative reason. Like, like, I don't know how many people feel the same way about this, but like, I just felt like Billy Magnuson's character was just like, "Well, we need." A double cross. Yep. And it's just like, did he really need to be in this movie? And and so like that, I didn't think he added that much to the movie. But he like besides, wanted the armist be the double cross. Could have. Could have been. That would. That would have saved. That would have saved a lot. I um, I just thought um, in my letterbox review, I wrote, yes, it's a long film. I think it justifies it, and I actually left the movie wanting more. Um, yeah. I, I would I would happily watch a five hour cut of this film. Uh, I want more Ana de Armas. I want more Billy Magnuson. I want more of these really tender moments with Daniel Craig's Bond. I want more um, seeing M wrestle with the decisions of his past and and actively try to instead of just sitting behind a desk actively do something about it. Uh, I want more of M cooking at home and James Bond and and uh, Money Penny um, crashing his dinner party. Um, I want I want I want more James Bond playing Home Alone in the middle of foggy woods. Um, yep. I, d- I just wanted more and definitely more of Rami Malek's character for some backstory. I would, I would happily watch a five hour cut of this. Film. And see, and that's why I, I land firmly and loved it is because even when it was done and I experienced everything. And again, I saw it before you guys, I've, I saw it on Wednesday. So I'm getting close to a week now since I've seen it. And I still feel like, yeah, I could have gone for a longer cut of that too. Or yeah, I already want to go back to the theater and see it again. Like yep. even when I recognize the weaknesses, I'm still like, no, I still had a blast of a time. Like this, this is the definition of, I had so much fun. I cannot not love this movie. Yep. Oh, all right. Last thing that I have before the, where do we go from here? Um, I've read a lot of reviews saying this is not 007. What do you guys think about that? Like I this does not feel wrong. like a James Bond movie. Like, it feels like a James Bond movie. <laughs> to, well, and th- that's an interesting comment. Because it doesn't feel like old school Bond movie. Yeah. Because like Sean Connery movies just felt like this is Bond. There's no depth to Bond. This is a character. Sean Connery's being manly and aggressive and goes on a mission. I and would say not this- a, There's not a whole lot extra to it. And I felt like those are most of Roger Moore's movies too. This yeah. felt like that and more and more for the better. I was just going to say that, Shane. I say this doesn't feel like a Connery or, in particular, a Roger Moore James Bond movie, but I think that's good. I think this is an elevation and an evolution of the art. It's not supposed to be the same thing over and over. You're supposed to reinvent things as you go on. If we were literally watching the same movie that we had seen 25 films ago from 1962 – this franchise would suck. I'm sorry, it would. Like, we don't need that anymore. We need something new. And, and that's how we got to die another day. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, like, I, I think this is exactly what this franchise needs. And I thought it was brilliant. And it still felt like a James Bond. I, I'd be hard-pressed to find any other movie that feels more like a spy espionage movie than this, that uh, a secret agent who was scorned and retired had to come back to the force because a secret nanobot technology <laughs> was hijacked. Like, that's about as spy as it gets. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um, as, as far as my... I wanted to ask you guys first, because you've seen all the Bond films, and I haven't. Uh, but I wanted to mention that up, uh, or bring that up, because I felt that if this were the first entry of, uh, of Craig's tenure, um, then sure, I understand the complaints. Um, I, 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 but also, I, I think that Skyfall is a little bit more on the nose about it, but this film also does it itself, where... Um, you are you are getting a lot of callbacks, a lot of homages to some of the original Bond films. However, um, no, this doesn't feel like an old school Bond movie, nor should it, because we've spent five consecutive movies growing and developing this character, uh, watching him witness grief and pain and love and sorrow and anger and frustration. He has been through so much. Um, I don't expect the same. The The worst thing about watching these older movies is that Bond doesn't grow. He is the same every time. And it is the absolute worst thing about the watching the older movies. Um, and so it is so refreshing to see this because this does feel like a Bond movie. It's just a um, uh, developed Bond film, a developed it, Bond character. So any of the movie. naysayers that say this is not 007... Uh, or this is not a James Bond film. No, it's a better 007. Yes. Um, it's a character study, which this yes. franchise has frankly never had before. And it's brilliant. Well, and it's an interesting thing because th- would this franchise still be around this long? Because I think this is an interesting thing to think about because obviously they were able to do this over a five film arc. Could you do this over a 25, 30 film arc? And have this keep going and staying consistent. Cause like, to be perfectly honest, I think the lack of like connections and continuity has allowed them to keep reinventing this. Yes. And like, if they tried to keep this all connected and like with Marvel, you can build in new characters and pass yeah, the torch off. That's actually like something this. I specifically wanted to say. So a lot of people like to compare this to Marvel just because of the length. And when I say length, I mean in terms of movies in the franchise, not in terms of like how long they've been around. Bond has clearly been around decades longer. But in terms of length, we are at the point where exactly each franchise has had 25 movies. But the difference is Bond only has Bond. Obviously, there's other characters in the universe. I'm not saying that there's not, but the main character has always been Bond. From the off, from the jump, Marvel has never been that. It has never just been Captain America the movie, and everyone else is secondary. Everyone else has had their own movies. Bond has never done that, so they've had to reinvent themselves. They can't have one overarching thing because if they just do one overarching thing, keeping things relatively the same over the course of 60 years, this franchise would have died a long time ago. It has to reinvent itself to keep itself fresh, or else this simply doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, you know, you talk about the MCU and 25 films, um, and Robert Downey Jr. is in more of them than anybody else, uh, even for a brief cameo, and he's only in like 14 of them. Um, so, no, I would not be interested in 25 Daniel Craig 007 films. Um, uh, 
Unless he was a minor backing character, you know, take like Desmond Llewellyn as Q, even though he's a one note person because that's the way they wrote him because he's introduced the tech guy. Um, uh, but if I, I think, yeah, you're right. You build in new characters, you build up extra characters. I, I think there's nothing wrong with even having soft reboots. Um, you know, you just replace the Bond actor and replace other characters as needed. Have new M's come yeah. in when, when needed. Have new and they've uh, done that Q's several times. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the problem is just when you don't do anything with your characters. And honestly, um, I, I know we were we kind of mentioned it, and uh, I think that Die Another Day was almost the end of this franchise. Uh, yeah. I think the video games carried it through, and if Casino Royale wasn't a hit, I don't think we would have gotten anything. Uh, but they made enough money off of Skyfall, this, and Casino Royale that they'll be able to um, to well, sell. Well, especially now that Amazon bought out MGM Studios. Yeah. Uh, that they have enough money, than, more than money than God. They'll they'll keep cranking these things out. It'll actually be interesting now that Amazon has bought at MGM to see how quickly we do start to get these. Because James Bond used to be when it first came out, they would come out with these every other year, or maybe once every one a year. But lately, over the Daniel Craig era, we got five movies, but it took us 15, 15 years to do that. That's a big jump of time. I think we talked about that. He last has podcast. the longest so. tenure as Bond. But but doesn't even the have the third many movies. films yeah yeah so um, they they definitely I I wouldn't be shocked if Amazon's like nope let's get back on the once every other year Bond kick no I don't think they're gonna Bond do that I, I do think I do think they're gonna do either spinoffs and specifically maybe even prime original shows um, that kind of focus on other agents in the field um, I do think we'll we'll stick to every three or four maybe five years getting another Bond film yeah. um, just hey make sure you do those well and then the TV shows yeah. can can carry other things and the tricky thing is because during the daniel craig era too it wasn't just timing of to make the movies because like spec i no time to die should have come out like three years ago between daniel craig getting hurt and then covid and And they hired daniel boyle fired daniel boyle had to hire fukunaga yep so i'm i'm down for spinoffs i'm ready for amazon prime original series of honor diarmas's character doing her spy stuff because i think that's happening so give me a a felix one because felix only shows up in the bond movies when he's relevant to the plot give me a felix one and then still have him show up in the films yeah you could you could literally i would love to see a spinoff from the quantum of solace time when it's him and david harbar like what were they doing in south america clearly the stuff was going on Outside of just the the stuff, I think in we Bolivia. already got that. Like, it's it's Jack Ryan season two. Um. <laughs> so I have a quick. Here I'm going to go. I'm going to do a, a a lightning round here of a couple things I wanted to address. One, I thought uh, Christoph Waltz was great as Blofeld in this. I liked him even more than I liked him in Spectre in his one limited scene. I actually think he was served better by being in the movie less. Uh, I thought uh, the relationship and the conversation be- between him and Daniel Craig was really well done. Uh, Agreed. Talking, uh, talking about you know the movie was willing to go there. I thought it was pretty ballsy that they were willing to kill the greatest Bond villain of all time after just two movies. Uh, and not just that, they're willing to kill all the Spectre. They're all dead. It's over. They're all gone. If they do do future James Bond movies in this universe, whether that's with Lashana Lynch's character, Ana de Armas, or whoever, or a new 007 entirely, uh, Spectre's not there. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, talking about the action sequences, uh, I loved the Home Alone uh, which was in reference to Skyfall, but the Home Alone now in this foggy Norwegian forest. I thought that was great. Uh, I loved the bar fight in Cuba. I thought that was 
not only really well action, like choreography wise, but it was funny. They were able to keep a lot of jokes between Ana de Armas and James Bond going on in there. I thought that was fun. But in particular, my favorite sequence was the cold open pre-credit sequence in Italy from the moment Vesper's uh, tomb blows up all the way to the Billie Eilish song kicking in. That was intense. Uh, you could, I could feel it in my theater, especially again, IMAX with the sound, but like when he's driving that dirt bike, I'd seen it in the trailer literally 30 times. I knew it was coming, but I was just still like, ah, this is intense. So that was awesome. I got to interject super quickly. Uh, this is my favorite visual credits that we've had in a long, 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 long time. The, that was uh, next. <laughs> the DNA with the guns. Yeah. yeah that was amazing. so great. <laughs> I mean, and again, Skyfall has a really good one. I love the poker aesthetic for Casino Royale. We, I yeah. kind of mentioned I don't love the song. I, I thought everything about that worked incredibly well. I thought it looked worked well. I, I'm We'd all heard the Billie Eilish song already. Again, she released it over a year ago. She already won a Grammy for it. But I thought hearing the song in the credits in the movie, it worked even better for me. Yeah. And again, what's also fun is when you watch those opening credits from James Bond movies, if you're paying attention, you can pick up things that are going to come out later in the movie. Yep. Like the DNA, like, okay, why are they showing DNA? DNA is going to play a factor in this. Oh, it plays a big factor in this. Uh, also, they kept showing like Poseidon's trident. And I'm like, why is the trident going to, there's got to, and then at the end, he's the size symbol. He is the trident. And I'm like, yes, it's all here. It's coming together. So I, I agree. I love that. Um, the I wanted to mention Easter eggs for people who do love Easter eggs. This movie is riddled with super fan service Easter eggs for James Bond fans. Uh some of the blatant ones we already mentioned, there's literally a painting of Judy Dench as M and Bernard Lee as M in the hallways of uh, MI6 headquarters. At one point uh, throughout the movie, they play We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong, yep. which is directly from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. They actually play it a couple times, including to end the film, uh, which is exactly how they ended the film on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, I thought that was really heartfelt and connected well, especially because they even used the direct line uh, we have all the time in the world, uh, which is what James Bond says to his wife when she's murdered at the end of that movie. Uh, They said that at the beginning. Uh, Bond says that to uh, Madeline Swan. Uh, Lastly, another Easter egg. At one point, they played the theme uh, from You Only Live Twice. Uh, Some people might know that better from the song Millennium. Uh, by Robbie Williams, <laughs> he used that uh, that uh, soundbite to make that track. Uh, so those were, there were Easter eggs riddled throughout this movie. Uh, the last one that I saw that I liked is in the opening credits. It started with dots flashing across the screen, which is directly from Doctor No, uh, the original James Bond. So they literally even started the opening credits like the opening credits from the first film. Um, the last thing that I have, and I saved this for last for myself intentionally. This is why this is a, a lot, like all the other reasons I listed, I think are enough to justify I loved it. But this is the true reason I, I Heath Lynch, personally love this movie, and I always will. Uh, we talked about where they were willing to go there. They were willing to kill Spectre. They were willing to kill Blofeld. They were willing to kill Leiter, and they were willing to kill Bond. But you know what else they were willing to do? They were willing to give, and we've underserved this so far, they were willing to give Bond a kid. Bond is a dad. He has a little girl in this movie. Uh, he's been married before in an earlier Bond film, but literally as they're driving away from the wedding ceremony, his wife gets shot. Like that, re- that he she also gets, gets married and you only live twice. He does, but it's a sham wedding <laughs> and know. it's only for, for the mission. But like out of love, he gets married. His wife uh, gets shot down in a drive by shooting yeah. as they're driving away from the ceremony. 
So, yeah, him and Madeline Swan aren't married in this movie, but for all intents and purposes, this is the closest we've ever seen to Bond being in a marriage-like relationship and seeing him, how he would react to, oh, I really have to defend this person, not because I want to have sex with them or I am currently having sex with them or I kind of like them. No, I love this woman. I have been in love with her for five plus years and she is also the mother of my child. Holy crap, I have a child. Uh, This directly hit me personally because... This movie came, was supposed to originally come out in April of 2019 or 2020, uh, roughly about two weeks before my daughter was born in the middle of the pandemic. So now I went and saw this. My daughter is now uh, 17 months old. And this hit me on such a level when that little girl came out. And I knew immediately I saw her blue eyes and I was like, oh, man. And so, like, when I say that they're willing to go there and that this hits on an emotional level, for not everyone in the audience, but for some people, parents especially, or maybe newborn parents, freshly new parents, this will hit you in a way that you it probably wouldn't have hit you this way a couple years ago. If I saw this movie three years ago, like, it's just another Bond film, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. But seeing this now as a new parent, I was a mess. I was a wreck. When he was trying to save that girl and do everything he could to save that girl when she dropped her stuffed animal, like all these things, like my parental instincts were melting my insides. And I never thought that this franchise would ever bring anything like that to the table. And again, going back to, they were willing to go there. I couldn't believe they were willing to go there. And it, it brought so much joy and love out of me that I, I can't not love this movie. It was so emotionally impactful. Yeah. All right. Last question. Where do we go from here? Why I see it is you have a couple options. You make Lashana Lynch 007 and you don't call these James Bond movies anymore. You call them 007 movies uh, or you reinstate her 007 title. Um, you do a complete hard reboot or you just do what the old films have been doing and recycling certain characters while recasting James Bond. Uh, what do you think they're going to do? What do you think they should do? Um, there's obviously a million other options here. Uh, but what do you think uh, What do you think is the right path forward? Um, yeah. For me, I feel like it should be a hard reboot, like Casino Royale is a hard reboot. Except... Well, Casino Royale very... was a soft reboot. No, it was a hard reboot. Well, they brought well, over M... Okay, so let me they reset that. the character. They reset they the character, to, but they had some casting. They need to that. reset the character and the world, but for very selfish reasons, I want to bring back a bunch of the actors from these movies because we didn't get enough of them yet. So, if they bring back like all that, even like Rory Keener, I yep. love as Tanner, and I want to see all of them yeah. again. But I think they have to reinvent the world. That these movies happen, He's especially been Tanner, after this since one. the Brosnan's one, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Keith? Um, I, again, because I like to see them reinvent the wheel and trying something new, I want them to keep going with this timeline. Um, I want to see them move forward from this to, because if anything, because I want to see how. I want to see how they do it. I think the proper way to go about it. <laughs> I think the proper way to do it is let Lashana Lynch go as 007. I think she should be 007. I think you have put all the pieces properly on the chessboard that it would make sense for her to resume the role as 007 because really she only gave it back to James Bond at the end of the movie just out of respect. 
it was her title and it had been for as, as far as we know, maybe up to five years. Uh, so like, I think you keep going with that and you see how it goes. Uh, I would hate to think that some sexist people out there or maybe some racist people out there wouldn't be as interested and maybe the movies don't do as well, but I don't care. Take on that challenge, go for it because I think there are enough people that would support that. And like you said, Shane, there's too many good people in this acting crew that I won't, I don't, I don't want to lose them. Uh, I want to see this in my six family, the Q M money penny trio that we have established. I want them to keep going. Um, so I, I want to see this continue. I think that they can. I think that the best way to do it is kind of like Aaron said, I think, although I think more frequently, I think you do do a movie every two to three years, but I think you can also do Amazon, Amazon shows. Uh, you can have uh, Ana de Armas come back, have a show. And then if you wanted to as well, you could have like a show within MI6 where you try to establish uh, other double O agents that could like jump in and out of the movies or something as needed. Um, I think that's the way I think that's the way that they should go about it and that I hope they do. I don't think they actually will do it that way for the record, but that's what I want. I got the feeling at the end that they were going to do a hard reboot. Um, that final scene where they give a, they all have a drink in honor of him. Um, which is a shame because I feel like when Ben Winshaw signed on for Q, he probably signed a contract that was like 50 movies, you know, um, you'll play this until you die and you will like it. Um, and we're like, yeah, we like that. That's fine. Um, (laughs) um, I think just that, um, I I want to see them do a soft reboot as well. Um, bring in a new character, bring back, uh, any of the actors that want to come back. Um, which I'm, I get the feeling all of them would want to. Um, but then that also means we don't get a new Felix, but, like we have the Anna de Armas character, maybe she could be the new CIA contact. Uh, not necessarily, you know. Don't name her Felix. Like keep her Paloma is her name. Keep her that, um, and and kind of let her be the new CIA operative. Um, I think that would be that would be great. Um, uh, and yeah, and give her her own show, um, since Felix has always gotten underserved in the movies because he's just one convenient. Um, and then, but then I think I think what you. I would like to see them do just kind of for Easter egg's sake and for a lot of other just selfish reasons. Um, I think you take uh, Lashana Lynch's character and you kind of make her like head of ops, um, which I know is kind of what M does, but M isn't in the field and doesn't have the capacity to be in the field. And so what if you take Lashana Lynch's character and kind of make her head of ops because now she's gotten that experience and then you can have her train up a new 007 and, actually like be like your name is now james bond your title is 007 um here's like uh, uh, maybe that's an interesting way they could do it i d- i look i'm not i'm not necessarily interested in lashana lynch taking over this performance and it's just because i, d- I didn't like her in this movie um we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier i thought she was just kind of unnecessary and thrown in there it's not it's not because i i don't want to support a person of color or or a female um in the role um, so, but I, I, I don't know that I'm interested in, in her as a person, as the lead. Um, I think she was well served as a supporting character, um, and, and as a badass too. Um, so I wonder what? like, is there a way that I, I, is, I, I want to keep her, um, but I, I want to keep everybody. <laughs> um, 
here's here's I what know. I here's what I definitively don't want though. Because if the options are continue with what we have, James Bond is dead. Where do we go from here? Or do a a, a reboot of some kind, which you guys are suggesting. Or the third option, which was hinted, is just kind of keep going as they've always done. And just like each movie is its own mission kind of thing. That's the one I don't want. I definitively don't want that. I don't want them to find a way to say that like James Bond is still alive and we're just keep going or to say like, it's not a hard reboot. Like if you're going to bring James Bond back at this point, you definitively have to reboot it because otherwise it's a disservice to everything that Daniel Craig did. So if you just come back and Dan and James Bond and they don't address it in any way. And it's like the same MI6 family cast. I will be upset. I will genuinely yeah. be upset because that that is a slap in the face to D- J- Daniel Craig's legacy and the the history of this franchise at this point. Because I don't care what anyone says at this point, Daniel Craig is the definitive James Bond. He is yeah. the best person to ever play this role. And if you think otherwise, I just I can't even comprehend that point of view at this point. Yeah, I'll, just... I'll, I'll go ahead and say there's much better creative minds at work behind the scenes. I'm sure they already have thoughts uh, laid out. Uh, yep. They haven't started. They they said that they're going to start the search for a new 007 next year. So my inkling is that it's either going to be a hard reboot, or um, they're just going to recast 007. And I I would really have a hard time believing they're not going to continue this timeline even in a soft reboot. Um. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I I know that minds that are more creative than me are at work doing it. Um, I, but I am absolutely with you, Heath. The, la- the the only thing that I will not allow them to do is, or that that I would not be happy if they do is, uh, is to just recast 007 and go on like nothing, nothing that happened. did happened. Yeah. Um, so now, and, and Ian, in the same timeline too, where you have killed all of Spectre, you've tied up all your loose ends for the Craig era, like that becomes more difficult to process. So that's why I think maybe a soft reboot is the way to go. Um and new Spectre. Uh, I mean, look, uh, like they could do whatever they want, but like you know, there's some protege that was a part of Spectre, or some somebody's dad that then starts a new Spectre at some point down the line, whatever. I don't know, but I, you're right, you're right. Uh, I, I'm totally with you. The the one thing that they can't do is just blow off these films, um, especially because they finally have established kind of continuity. I mean, not really at all, uh, but they finally established some sort of like character development and character growth and story growth, not just here's Bond's mission of the year or whatever. Um, and it would be a shame for them to throw that away. So um, we'll see. We'll see. That's all. That's all we can say. My only final thoughts are I would have had this high end of love if Rami Malek turned out to either be Dr. No or Mephisto. <laughs> Mephisto! <laughs> Stop. I'm over it. I was half expecting him to turn out to be Dr. No, though. Uh, ever since somebody pointed out Dr. No time to die, I'm like, too genius! That would have been so good. <laughs> Which it didn't need to be. Because yep. that was just... There's a laugh for the end of our quote-unquote mini-review, as I do air quotes and you can't see them. Uh, my one last thing, I guess, would be is they have already released the cover art for the um, uh, home release for the Steelbook, and it is a 4K Steelbook that I am 
absolutely buying because this film deserves to be seen in IMAX on 4K, and this steelbook is gorgeous. So um, I'm for sure buy a whole he's, other he's collection now. Because oh, I have my 24 on Blu-ray. Yeah, no, I have the collections, and then the Craig ones are all individual. Um, I won't be upgrading them. Um, but yeah, for sure, movies that I love, I I get, I get the top. So um, love love this uh, this art, and I think for sure, go see it in an IMAX theater. Um, go see it in a theater in general. Yeah, I, uh, I know I'm going to go to see it in theaters again before it. I I won't be able to wait. Like, yeah, I'm I'll go before weeks end because my wife hasn't seen it, and I'm going to take yep. her. Yep, same. My um, wife still wants to see it, so I'm I'm going at least back for that. I I might even go a couple more times. I'm not even. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll watch it a bunch at home. I, I think I'm because of length and you know my time commitment. All a bunch of other movies coming out too. Um, I'll yeah, watch it's it. It's Oscar bunch season, home, and yeah. I have to say now uh, again, following up on the last podcast, it, Billie Eilish has to be the front runner for best original song. Like has there's there's just no way, especially like the the musical score is replayed throughout the film in so many different. Like it, she has to be the front runner. Yeah. And I'm sure this will actually probably get several nominations. This could get, if I, if I was to project, we talked about earlier, maybe Daniel Craig gets best actor. I doubt it, but he's, he's in the, at least for now, in I the hope. conversation, I hope. Uh, uh, Billie Eilish for best original song. I would think uh, best makeup is in the conversation. What they did for Malik's face was actually pretty impressive. Uh, I would, I think that like costume design as well. I mean, there was a lot costume of like really interesting on an armistice dress, on the armistice dress. So like stuff like that, but also just like the outfits that Lashana and Daniel were in for their missions. Like there's a lot of variants or, or just like uh, the casual wear that like yep. money, penny or Q were walking around in Boston. Like there's several technical categories uh, and that's not in, uh, you can't short sight best visual effects and best sound. And probably maybe even cinematography or even art direction. Like those are I'm, all. I'm going to go ahead and say Fukunaga deserves a director nomination at this point as well. Yeah, um, I hope that sticks. Um, yeah, but as of, as of right now, th- this is in the running. No exaggeration for probably five to seven categories. Yeah, and it, it'd be nice now that the Oscars have a mandatory ten best pictures. It'd be nice if they got it nominated. I don't. I yeah. don't see this winning though. Um, no. Nope. Um, but like that's. I would understand I, I if, if they did it, clear. it would almost be an honorary Oscar. Like, Hey, like maybe Skyfall deserved it or, you know, I think it's very clear after, you know, the dark Knight didn't get it back in 08 and then they expanded it. And then they expanded it again, just the other year saying definitively, it will always be 10 a year. And they tried to do that best, you know, most popular. They announced that. And then a couple of weeks later they retracted it because everyone hated it so much. I think it's very clear that moving forward, since there's going to be at least 10 Best Picture nominees, you're going to get one more traditional popcorn, popular, large blockbuster film Yeah. Uh, in that. And it will be whatever's the most artistic of the bunch. And right now, I would this think would this, be has, this has to be it. Yeah, I mean, uh, other than if Eternals winds up being yeah. something incredible. I could see with that. Chloe Zhao, you know. Yeah, I could see that because um, of Chloe Zhao's pedigree. That or, maybe, or maybe Matrix Revolutions. Um, but, you know, I'm... I, I think I I could see this getting a Best Picture nomination, not a win though. No, um, never. <laughs> so um, it's gonna have right. to beat Venom. Let there be carnage first. Uh, stop. <laughs> well, you can watch that, that like movie we... twice. <laughs> In almost like... this one movie. 
Feels like a good point to end that on. We're talking about 007 with Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, hey, appreciate you guys. I know this was a, a long podcast, but I, I really appreciated the conversation. I think I've, yep. I've liked this film more. Uh, I'm excited to see it again and to notice some of the things that you guys have said. Um, I feel bad for the people that don't love this movie. I know there are people there. Um, and I don't know what to tell you if you listen to us talk about how much we love this over time. Um, I, I don't think that this is going to be a film that uh, I think it will. I mentioned I like Casino Royale more than Skyfall because I love Casino Royale more every time I watch it. And I will never love Skyfall more than I watched it the first time in the theater. Um, it just won't grow on me the way that Casino Royale. I think this one um, will this also not gross. grow, um, but I don't think it's going to diminish either. So, uh, but that's my opinion. We'll see. Um, Anyway, appreciate you guys hanging out, and um, yeah, I, you know, there's pl- plenty of more opportunities for us to talk about films in the future. So, um, I don't know that there's another playing mini review coming up. Um, they just kind of show up in the feed. So, sorry, I can't <laughs> di- direct people that are listening to this. But uh, that's it. I'm always back um, for anything Apple. <laughs> go, go see 007: No Time to Die in the largest screen you possibly can. Safely. With the best sound with the best sound for sure. All right. We'll catch you guys next time.